0: Good morning, everybody. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I cannot tell you how amazing God dovetails a service together. You know, obviously, we have service planning, but when it comes to picking worship, Mary, come on. Can you got some praise for worship this morning? What? Woo! I'm telling you, the mind of Christ that you tapped into today, you do not know. Everybody say, you don't know. You don't know. I'm telling you, God is in the place already. And, um, and I, just, I just kept wanting to scream during worship because it just every song seemed like it lined up perfect with what I wanna preach this morning. And so this morning, what we're gonna be looking at is holding on to our perception of the God that we serve. Okay, I wanna look at holding on to the perception of the God that we serve, I'm going to title the sermon today, Who Do You Say That I Am? It's important for us to know who he is. Come on. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And so my problem today, I have this God right here. You see this right here? This is a failing proposal for any preacher to think in 35, okay, 48, 52 minutes. No. No that I'm going to be able to even touch on the awesomeness that our God is. Amen? I mean, I'm serious. It's going to be difficult. I couldn't even shave my goatee right this week. Let alone try to touch on the awesomeness of who our God is. I jacked this up, y'all. Look at that. Can we vote? Anybody likes it? A few? Those that don't? There's a lot of... Man, there's a lot of party politics here. I, I, so that, was, that was just I, different sides of the aisle there. No, I, I, the, I had a trimmer for 17 years, the same trimmer, and it kicked out on me. And so I got a new one, and it did not work right. So hopefully this will— So Mac looked at me and was like, he's seven. He just looked at me. First time— he, was, he didn't have the right perception who dad was because in his eyes, dad was looking different. And I think sometimes we lose the perception who God is because the enemy lies to us and makes us look at God differently than God really is. And today, in the next few minutes, we're going to begin to look at who our God is. And I pray that that perception as we leave this house will cause us to live different, act different, um, be able to hold on to our faith and our composure and our integrity differently. Amen? man. I just want to get to right to prayer. Can we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, over the next few minutes, would you visit our conversation? Would you anoint my heart and my lips? Lord, I, I don't want to say one thing less than what will elevate who you are in this house. I want us to leave this place more in tune to the inexhaustible knowledge of who you are, more aware, Lord, of your nature and your abilities. Help us with that today, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. My prayer today is that our perception, you know, your perception that it would elevate and that we'd be able to get a better picture, a better scope of who God is. Our perception is that awareness of who God is. And I believe that my hope, my prayer today is that our awareness of who God is will be heightened today. All right? And with that, that proper understanding of who God is will come a sense of reverence, I think sometimes in the house of God, we've lost our sense of reverence. Jesus is not your homeboy. Oh, but I thought he was. Well, he's your friend. Yes, he is. I get that. I'm just saying that we need reverence again in the house of the Lord. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do. You know, when it, With that sense of perception of who God is would come a sense of, of renewed hope. That sense of perception of who God is would come a new and lasting assurance in our heart that, that can carry us Monday through Saturday. That can carry us the other six days of the week, you know? That that perception of who He is would give us a victory like we haven't had in a long time, that would bolster our strength. I have no confidence in me. You know that? I'm serious. We doubt ourselves tremendously, and I get that. The key to getting past the doubt in ourselves is the perception of the reality of who Jesus is. When he is elevated in our lives, you'll start to realize that you're some kind of somebody. When you start to realize who God is, you'll start to realize that you're one of his children, and it'll start to change the way you walk. I can tell by the way you move. Yeah. Yeah. It'll change everything, you know? It'll give you a scope within your walk to be able to have authority and strength and power, amen? I'm sorry, I feel like I came in this place to preach this morning. And so that's my prayer, is that we'll walk out of here with victory and strength. But there's an adversary of our heart that would love for us to miss out on the truths of who God is, that same enemy, the devil, from the Garden of Eden to now, constantly, constantly abases who God is to the people of God. Is that really what your God said? Is that really what your Creator said? That's not what your Creator said. Always, always coming in with the lies, causing us to be robbed of the perception of who God is. In that day you eat, you'll just be like God. That's all He wants you to think. That's all He he just wants you to be like Him. You already were like Him. Made in his image, amen? But the enemy loves to get us all muddled up, all messed up. And he comes and he deceives and he lies. Because the devil doesn't want you to understand the full reality of who God is and who you are in Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to understand that. And so God doesn't change, amen? Does God change? Bible says there's no shadow of turning in him. That means there's just nothing. He's always the same. The Bible will say yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, yeah, he never changes. So the enemy can't attack God's character, but he can attack our perception of God's character. The enemy can't attack who God is, but he can attack how we believe that God is and how God will move and act in our lives. And so God doesn't change But our perception of God sure does. There's times in our life where we'll think God's a puppet on our hand that we're controlling, you know? No, 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 no. That's improper perception. There's times in our life where we feel, just like I love to say, broke, busted, and disgusted. The truth of the matter is the Bible says that you as the creation of God are the apex of creation. You are made, the word says, a little lower than Elohim. Not a little lower than the angels. The King James writers just couldn't get themselves to write that. You know, when it came to the word Elohim, they're, oh, I can't write that we're made just a little lower than, than God. I, I got to write Elohim. I got to write, write angels in there. No, no, no. It's you. And then it's God and then you and then the angels. Amen. That's crazy. They're there to be servants of the word of God that come out of your mouth. And so when we're declaring so often the things that God isn't, man, I want to give those angels that are employed, that are there ready to move upon the word of God that comes out of the mouth of the church, I want to give those words of faith. I want to give those words of life. I want to give those words of, of hope. I want to give those words of victory. Amen? Amen. And then watch God dispatch the angels to do what God desires to do here in the earth. Isn't that cool? You Tap yourself. I'm just a little bit lower than God, a little bit above the angels. I'm going to get email for that. I don't care. Get that proper perspective of who God made you to be. But if we don't have a perspective of who God is, we'll always look at ourselves as less. And we'll always look at ourselves as, as, as not what God sees when he looks at us. He sees his image reflected back, just as we should see, see, see in our lives, him reflected in us, you know? And so, no, no, God doesn't change, but our perceptions do, and the enemy tries to hinder our perceptions of how God moves and works in our life, and we wonder why we'll go through life weak and seem hopeless. It starts with that perception of who God is. We wonder why we lose our peace and our assurance easily, it goes back to the perception of who our God is. We wonder why we don't move in authority or walk in deliverance. Man, that's awesome. But we won't if we don't realize who, shall who our God is. So listen, listen, when it comes down to it, our perception of who God is, is constantly under attack by the lies of the enemy. And we've got to be able to bolster in our hearts today a good picture of who God really is so that we can know what we can walk in. We can know who we can lean into. We can know who is before us. Amen. But the enemy today, he would love for us to walk in the lies that he brings. He, he would say things like this. I remember when I went deaf in my ear. And, y'all, I believe in divine healing. I have got to pray for people that were deaf. I remember this one dude one time. It was the freakiest thing. He's like, I'm deaf in one ear and can't hear out the other. But he didn't tell me which one. And I laid hands on him, and his deaf ear opened up. It was the coolest thing. The one totally deaf opens up. And then he's complaining about that. Well, the one that didn't work is working completely, but the other one's still not working. You know, so then we had to pray for the other one. And long story short, both his ears got healing that night. It was the coolest thing. Yet I wear this device on my head. I believe in it. Big guy they called Bear. I remember praying for him as I prayed because he couldn't hear, tears started forming in his eyes as he began to weep because he was hearing for the first time in years after suffering deafness from an industrial accident. You know, I believe in divine healing. But when I went deaf, y'all, we tried everything. We prayed. My mama put wax cones down in my ear because we're going to draw whatever's in there out. And I know she meant wax, but I think she meant the evil spirits. <laughs> She's going to draw the deafness out, glory to God. And my mama, there's tin. You've used tin. My face is sore. I'm hurting. Stop. You're abusing your son. I was like 35. You're abusing me. You know, I don't know if you know who Reinhard Bonnke is—an amazing, you know, evangelist man. He's kind of like the Billy Graham of Africa. Strong healing anointing on his life. Man, I stood in line. Surely Jesus will heal me if I stand in Reinhard Bonnke's line. You know, no, it didn't happen. But I believe in healing. But the devil will come and be like, "Well, you didn't get your miracle, so God's not a healer." And I'll be honest, there was a season where I struggled to pray for healing. There was a season where I just thought, you know what, is healing the children's bread or not? The Bible says it is, but I doubted that, you know, because I just, God, I know you're a healer. I just don't know why, and I still, now I kind of know why, you know. Next Saturday, I'm speaking. They're flying me to New Jersey to speak at a, a conference for this company. I can't Man, there's multiple people from that company that have rededicated their lives to Jesus and are in church today, I'm telling you, because I went deaf. It was worth it all to have that access, you know. But, man, 10 years ago, God, I don't get it. I I don't know if you're a healer yet, you know, still, you know. Maybe maybe you're in the house and it's like, man, they just turned my electricity off or they're threatening to turn my electricity off. And the enemy will get in your head and say, where's your provider now? You know. You know, the word will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But all week long, it seemed like everybody in your house only served themselves. And the devil will come and say, see, you're doing a horrible job, you know. He just loves to cause us to doubt ourselves. But a lot of that doubting ourselves is doubting our God. Amen? Think of this today during worship. There's people, I guarantee you, that came in here broken and wounded. And you came to the house of God. And the music began. And before your spirit could lift, the devil started to get in your ear. You know, this environment laden with the presence of God, this environment laden with the miraculous, you know, that expectation is the breeding ground of miracles. That's why we always want you to come here expecting God to do something, something more, you know. And when it comes to it, you came in here wounded and hurt and broken, and you're hoping something. But but, but next thing you know, the enemy's in your ear saying, I thought your God was faithful. I thought your God was faithful, but look what you're going through. And it begins to attack the character of God in your ear. See, the devil works his lies to rob you of the perception of God. And the reason why is because perception is everything. It really is. When it comes to perception, perception becomes our reality, right? Y'all know we go to war over perceptions, right? We don't talk to our spouse sometimes for a few minutes (laughs) over perceptions, Perceptions are your reality. How, how you perceive something to be is yours. Say my reality. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying it's true reality. I'm just saying it's actualized reality. It's what you're experiencing. It's how you're living. And the rub is we are governed by our personal realities. We're governed by it. God can be all who God wants to be, but if your reality is skewed, you won't get to experience all that God is. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I, I believe that if, if God is something, God is that. Well, yes, he is, but he is that to you. I don't know. Well, Ross, I, I think God's bigger than that. You know, I, I think he's bigger than that too, but God's a gentleman, and the way he has orchestrated things, he has allowed things to be, you want access to me, you can come to me. And if you'll draw near to me, what will I do? I'll draw near to you. So if the enemy attacks the perception of drawing near to God, I'm not worthy to draw near. I've done too much. Can I tell you right now? I don't care if last night you went to bed with a crack pipe in your hand, and and I don't care. You haven't done too much for the love of God to come upon you this morning. No, you haven't. But the enemy loves to rob us of that perception. Now, here's where I said the idea of that rub, that perception means everything. Think of salvation, you know? The moment you perceive that you were a sinner and you were repentant, And you came and turned to Jesus as Lord, Jesus, and you knew he was your only hope. In that moment, you walked in the reality of salvation. But it didn't make Jesus any less the Savior two moments before, before you came to that. No. He was still the Savior. He just wasn't your Savior. That's heavy to say, isn't it? And the enemy loves that. He was Savior whether you received him or not. But you'll split hell wide open, as they say. If there's not that personal relationship with Jesus, if you don't own that, see how reality works? So is he still a healer? Yes, but if you don't accept that, if you don't walk toward that, then you'll never see that. Is he still a deliverer? Yes, but if you don't look at him as one that can break the stronghold off your back, then most likely you'll posture yourself in defeat and not even try to find victory, and that's where the rub is. The enemy would just love for you to continue to posture yourself less than God's promises have declared should live over your life. You know, The enemy loves to do that to us. Let's stand to our feet. I want to look here what the scripture says in Matthew chapter 16. It's important for us to remind ourselves of who God is. Getting that revelation of who God is, it changes everything in our lives. And Jesus, he knew that. And so in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, we see Jesus with his disciples and he has this interaction with Peter. And I love it because this interaction changed the church as we know it. And it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. As we look at this, one of the prophets, yeah, yeah, but he wants to know, who do you say that I am? Everybody say, who do you say that I am? Yeah, yeah, it's important for that personal revelation. Say personal revelation. It's important for that to rise up on the inside of us as Christ followers. If we're going to be able to get an understanding of who God is and be able to live in light of that, to be changed by that, to have hope, to find victory because of that, to find conviction because of that, to walk in integrity because we have a better picture of who God is. Who do you say that I am? Simon, in verse 16, he said, you are the Christ In the name of Jesus, I love it. So good. You can have your seat. Who do you say that I am? This question goes to Peter, actually, it goes to Simon. You know, he's called Simon Peter. And so at this point, they've been calling him Simon mostly throughout the ministry of Jesus and his discipleship of of Peter. And this question was designed to draw out of Peter the response of what Peter's perception was of the man standing in front of him. And what Peter said, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, you all, most of you may know, maybe you don't know, that word Christ, it wasn't like Joseph Christ and Mary Christ and little baby Jesus Christ. It wasn't like the wise man's surname. No, no, it wasn't like that. Christ was a title. And it's Christos, and it's the title in Greek um, that's Christos, which means the anointed one and his anointing. In, in, in the Hebrew, it would be Mashiach. It's that idea of a smearing on. It's an anointing. Everybody say an anointing. So he is the anointed one. The word Christ means both the anointing and the anointed one. That's who he is, and he carries an anointing. In other words, God is smeared on him. The touch of God is on Jesus in such a unique, special way when he was here on the earth. But can I tell you something so cool we're going to see before we end? The touch of God is smeared on you in such a unique and special way, too. Isn't that cool? And so Peter has this revelation of Christ Jesus isn't just a prophet. He isn't just another good man. No, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You are the one that is anointed and you carry an anointing. I would like to think that Peter's mind would go back to Old Testament Scripture like Isaiah 10, verse 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Now, obviously, we know there's not power in the oil. It's a symbol. That yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Amen? Years ago, I can't even remember who defined it this way, but I love it. Using the Scripture, they said this. They said that Christ is this. It's the burden-removing, or anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. is that good? Everybody say after me. Say, the burden-removing. Yoke-destroying. Power of God. God. Yeah, yeah, that's the Christ that you have in your life. That's the anointing of God that's in you because you have a relationship with Jesus. And, and, and I began to look at different things. When it comes to this idea of oil, I love this. I'm not going to teach much into this. I'm going to teach this, I think, in January. But I love this. They would take a hen of oil, a hen, which was about six quarts, and when they would anoint a person to be used of ministry, when they would anoint a person to be a prophet, a priest, etc., a king, they would take this hen of oil, say it's six quarts, and they would pour it. You know, every so often we'll use oil to pray with people as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, according to James. I think it's chapter 5, verse 4, if I remember right. And, and, but this wasn't a little dabble, do you? Six quarts is going to go home with you, y'all. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to be like, F-f-f-f-f-f. you're going to feel six quarts. years ago Amy got prayed for at the altar and she went to Macy's afterwards on Sunday afternoon and at the store this lady at the makeup counter said oh my you sure have oily skin and she goes no I just got prayed for at church the lady's like huh (laughs) you know yeah no not a little dab six quarts here's something I love about that six is the number of man Man, God, I want such a revelation of you that you'll pour your anointing on me and hide every bit of my humanity with your touch. Cover that six, cover that humanity so much that when I walk into for them, if that man walked into camp, you could smell him. You could, you could hear him. Don't sit on my couch. Honey, get the plastic. This is how Jews started to put plastic on their furniture. Get the plastic. I'm sorry, that was funny right there. You haven't been to Bubby's house. You don't know. You don't know, right? Am I, am I, am I you know? Get the plastic, because oil's coming to the, come on, oil's coming to the house, you know? Covering up that humanity. Man, can you see how powerful it was for Peter to start to get a revelation of this anointing that's in Jesus? It's huge. And so Peter, he possessed a proper perception. And he said this in verse 17. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, he didn't receive this perception from his senses. Our senses will lie to us. You know, our feelings will lie to us. Uh, my favorite saying of all times, and I haven't said it in a few years, it's feelings come and feelings go. Feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God ought not, 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 ought is worth believing. Martin Luther said that. I love that. No, the word says, I'm I'm gonna hold on to it, you know? And so in this scripture we see here, he gets this revelation, but it was the spirit who revealed it to Peter that Jesus was full of redemptive power, full of, of anointing. He was the Christ, the anointed one, the burden removing, the yoke destroying power of God is standing right before him. I'm not going to take the time today, but please write down Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4. Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4. And in your devotions this week, I challenge you to go study what that anointing looks like. Because he was anointed to set captives free. To restore sight to the blind. He'll go read what the passages say that Christ was anointed. Let it build your faith in who God is See, God wants to give us a spirit-induced perception of who he is this morning. And there are three overarching qualities of God that we're going to go through real quick. And with it, if I said to you this, if I said, who is God? What are some of the things people might say? Who is God? What is God? Love, yeah. Well, God is love, definitely. Another one would be God is holy. Yeah, yeah, definitely God is holy. These three arching characteristics of God, they call the omni characteristics of God. And I just want to look at these as it builds our faith, that omni. Omni means this, without restrictions. That's the God you serve. Amen. He is without restrictions. There's nothing that holds him back. You know, in some ways, that's why he is holy. There's nothing that holds him back. He's the God God. Without restrictions. I love this. And so the first one, as we look at, and this may be a reminder for some and new to others, is that God is omniscient. Omniscient. He is all-knowing. Without restrictions, his knowledge and understanding are at large in our world and in our lives. Amen? And so on Romans 11, it says, Oh, the depth, of the riches, and wisdom, and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways. His knowledge is so vast and so full of understanding. God knows everything simultaneously. He knows past. He knows present. He knows future. All that. His knowledge knows no boundary. He knows and is intimately aware of every aspect of your life. And when I said that for many in the room, that was encouraging. Because you're like, man, I've had some victories, but lately I've had some struggles. I've had some wins and triumphs, but lately I've had some defeats. And for God to know where my heart's at, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you're intimately aware of what I'm going through. He he knows your joy. Oh, God, but thank you, Lord. You also know my sorrow. And the enemy will lie and say, you're all alone. No, I'm not. God's with me. He's present. His mind, he understands what I'm going through. The rub, the scary side of that, though, is he knows the intents of our heart. He knows our motives. He knows our secret sin, even if we don't act like he does. Pastor included, come on. Oh, yeah. That omniscience of God, that all-knowing power of God is awesome, but it's scary, too. It should be scary. It should cause reverence within us. Psalms 147.5, great is our Lord, and he's abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. And so what I love about that is it causes reverence and conviction in my heart when I know that he knows everything, but great is his understanding. Oh, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience. How many thankful for some grace and patience today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give God some praise. Amen. Amen. His grace and his patience... Doesn't mean, though, that he doesn't know your struggles and your sin. It gives us access to him so we can come boldly to his throne room, so that we can walk in that anointing, that touch of God, that he can bring victory and hope in the midst of that struggle. When it comes to this understanding that's beyond measure, if he saw Nathaniel in the New Testament underneath a fig tree wrestling, with what God's going to do in his life. And Jesus sends him to come speak to him about being a follower of Christ. If he saw Nathaniel under the fig tree, guess what? He sees you as you wrestle with your future. If he saw Job in his time of sorrow, he sees you in your hour of grief, amen? If he saw Jonah sitting underneath that gourd vine, he sees you stewing in your bitterness as well. Yeah, yeah, if he saw King David on top of the rooftop going, dang, Bathsheba, He sees you in your temptation as well. He's an all-knowing God. He sees it all. He knows it all. If he saw Samson in the lap of Delilah, he sees you squandering your potential for lesser things also. But do you see that he sees? Do you have a perception that he knows? I, I, I don't know. We push it past. We push it away from our thinking. We push it away from our heart. Truly reality is this, that God is omniscient. That is the reality. Whether we like it or not, Is up to us. Whether we choose to embrace that perception is up to us. But I want to let you know, man, when you choose to embrace the fact that he is omniscient, man, there's a strength that comes when you know that your God knows everything. Amen? There's a peace that comes when you know that your God knows everything. Let's look at the second one. God is omnipresent. Omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. David said it like this in Psalm 139, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in my mother-in-law's house, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God is not confined by the four walls of a church. God is omnipresent. Wherever you go, he is with you. Amen? I want to declare this. God is not defined by an era in time. There's folk in here that you go, oh, I remember the revivals of the 90s. I remember getting touched by God in the 90s. Well, so do I. But guess what? That same Jesus is here today. His presence is just as powerful if we we'll his, his, his miracle working power is just as evident if we'll get a hunger and expectation for what he wants to do in this place. Amen. But our minds, the enemy wants to say, yeah, yeah, that was a past time. I can remember the enemy lying to me when I first moved here. You left, This was, like it was my anointing, it wasn't, it's his. But this is what the devil said. You left your anointing in Ohio. Your best days are past. That's what he told me 13 years ago and 12 and 10 and 9 But now I feel like there's a countdown. Eight, seven, six, five, four. God's about to do something up in here. Amen? Yeah, yeah. And it's all going to come because we get a greater perception of who our God is. No, man. God's doing incredible things in and through our lives together. But the enemy wanted to lie to me and act as if that era of time, 1994 to 2005, that summer of 2005, was the best days of your ministry. Man, this is the best days of my life right now. I love back home. I do. And if people, if you're watching this, I love you. I'm so glad I'm in Georgia. You don't even know. (laughs) I love you. But, man, I'm so glad I get to spend the next 20 years seeing what God's going to do through you and in this house. Amen? Amen. God's good. And so he's not confined to four walls of a church, he's not confined to an era of time, he is present in all his power at every point in space and every point in time, the scripture just clearly just says it this way, so sweet and so tender, he will never leave you nor forsake you he is with you always even to the ends of the age that's who he is you need a reminder of that, you know he's not going to leave you or forsake you, daddy's with you Can somebody just shout that real loud? Daddy's with me. You don't believe it. Daddy's with me. Yeah, yeah. I can remember when I was a kid, we had in the neighborhood a Great Dane that was mixed with a chow. So it was like big, ugly, and had a purple tongue. That'll freak you out, you know. It was fuzzy with long legs. It was the weirdest looking. This thing was a mutant. It was awful, like something out of Pixar, you know. It was crazy, you know. And this dog broke chain and began to take off and chase us kids. And we run home, you know, and um, we get in the house, and my dad had had it because my dad had already told these people about this dog. This dog was violent. I know that not all dogs are. This one was. And it killed some animals and all that kind of stuff. And dad had threatened, you know, my dad's pretty fierce. And um, long story short, dad takes, always growing up, dad had beside the the, the, the door a cut-off um, um, pool stick that had a little strap screwed to it. You know you mean business when you put a strap on it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, whoo. I mean, like, Dad was fierce. And Dad grabbed that up and took off, and I went following, right? And so, long story short, my dad is just sitting here giving that dog what for and the owner what for. And I can remember being there just thinking, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Keep your dog on a leash. What's wrong with you, you know? That that's gonna hurt somebody. Yeah, you know. And it wasn't me at all. I had just found my place behind my dad. I had a revelation that moment of who my dad was in the positive, not the negative, and I knew there's nothing going to hurt us because dad is on the scene. And the enemy's lying to some folk in here. And you think your marriage is going to end in divorce. And you think your finances are going to be the, that where you end up having to, to lose it all and never come back. And you think you're out. Whatever it is. Man, just get a picture of Father God and realize he's got a club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's sweet and tender. But he's also not just meek and mild. He's also that lion of the tribe of Judah. He's also fierce. Some of my favorite scriptures is Jesus showing back up someday with fire in his eyes and a sword coming out of his mouth and a tattoo on his thigh. Woo! That's Ric Flair Jesus. I love it. Love me some Ric Flair Jesus. Everybody shout, woo! Oh, yeah. Kid song. <laughs> Man, I, I, I need Ric Flair Jesus sometimes, you know? I'm serious. I got to drink some water. I don't know. That is not in the notes. (laughs) But when you possess the reality that God is with you, it changes everything, you know? Man, can we just go back for a second? When the three Hebrew children were in the furnace, guess what? God was with them, and he is with you in the fire of your affliction right now. When he was with Jonah, you know, and Jonah was running in disobedience. Yeah, yeah, but God was with him, and he's with you as you're running in your disobedience right now. He was with Joseph in Pharaoh's jail. Yeah, he was. And God is with you to give you strength over the things that are trying to hold you captive right now. When Mary ran to the empty tomb and didn't know where Jesus was, and her heart was sullen in her chest, man, God just wants you to know today that you may not feel like Jesus is on the scene. You don't know where they have taken him. You don't know it seems like the ceiling is brass and your prayers bounce off. But I'm telling you right now, three days later, you know, he arose and he began to prepare a place for us. And the next 40 days he spent with Mary and the rest of them, just proving the power of the resurrection of the cross. Amen? The resurrection of life. Amen? Oh, I love it. That's good stuff. What about the bad stuff? He was with Ananias and Sapphira. He saw everything when they were lying to the pastor. Don't lie to the pastor. No, i But he saw it. He saw him. And you know what? He sees you in your deception as well. Oh, let's talk hope again. He saw Stephen, as he's about to be stoned, as Stephen cast his eyes upon heaven and saw Jesus sitting there at the throne, standing at the throne, actually, standing, ready to act on Stephen's behalf, ready to welcome him home. And he sees you when people are stoning you with words. He saw Paul in a chilly sea, shipwrecked, looking as if he's about to lose his mission. But he wasn't. God was positioning him to bring a whole of the gospel to a whole nother region. God was just positioning him, that's all. And so when it looks like you're losing it all, God sees you. True reality is God is omnipresent, and he is where we, he, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. But we have to choose whether to believe that or not for ourselves. Will that be our personal, personal revelation? And listen, there is strength that comes when we embrace this reality. Why? I want you to get a picture of this, okay? So... Because he's omnipresent, he is present in my past, he's present in my future, and he's present right now with me. Amen? The idea of being present in my past, he's behind me. You know, Russell, come up here real quick. Get up here, get up here, get up here. Come up here. He's behind me, you know? You want a guy like Russell behind you. No, I'm gonna put you in front of me. I want a guy like Russell in front of me. What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's good, you know? And 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 I know I know he's a guest with us, but I just think the best dressed man in the house today ought to be on stage. Oscar, brother Oscar Mokeme, would you stand here behind me, my brother? This is Ciara's Papa. He's all the way from Maine. It's good to have you, my friend. God bless you. Curator of African studies, travels the world gathering um African relics and and Telling, all right, doctor, stand here behind me if you would. You know? And then let me just get two more, two more guys. Um, 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 pork chop. Come on up here, buddy. Yeah. And, and Chris, man, hit me in. Right over here. Yeah, yeah. And so I love this. Just get a picture of God, if you will. Man, these are these are some amazing guys. Can you even see me behind Russ? I'm not talking beside him. I'm talking behind. No. Yes. So he is. Omnipresent, he's with you all the time, he is before you. All right, so in other words, he's visiting your tomorrows. All right. Those things that are out there, he is present before you, visiting your tomorrows. He is behind you, healing your yesterdays. I don't know what that looks like for you, but he is not uh, um, wrapped up in time and space. So those pains from the past, yes, I know in healing in the moment, you think your healing's coming now. But he, vis- he can visit it way back there and all the way up to now. Pour his anointing, his oil all over that and comfort the pains of your yesterdays. And like pork chop and Chris here. I wish you had a meat nickname, because that would have been awesome. <laughs> pork chop and biscuit, that'd be fun, too. <laughs> you know they're going to call you biscuit. All right. <clears throat> but nothing makes you more happy in the present than pork chops and biscuits. No, no. <laughs> nothing makes you more um, at peace to realize he is beside you. That's right now, Amen? He's before you. He's behind you. He's beside you. In other words, the word will say it this way, and you guys can go to your seat. He is your ever-present help. Shout ever-present. That means right now, your ever-present help in time of need. That's who omnipotent. Man, God's good. Let's close with this last one. God is omnipotent. In other words, he's all-powerful. He's all-powerful. Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. The barrenness of Sarah's womb, the age of Abraham, there's no possible way. A child can be born, there's no possible way. God can work this out in your life. But man, this story shows us that God is all-powerful. Nothing is too hard for God. It says anything too hard for the Lord. That word Lord is El El Shaddai. Say El Shaddai. Yeah, El Shaddai, I love that, that term El Shaddai. Um, Some translations will translate Adonai as Lord, but in this actual one, this little spot, it's El Shaddai. And, And that means this, the God of more than enough. In other words, he is the God of all sufficiency. That's really what El Shaddai means. He's the God of all sufficiency, the God of more than enough. His supply, there is no end. That's how powerful and awesome that he is. Genesis 17, 1 and 2 says he's the almighty God. Again, that El Shaddai. Walk after him and he will multiply you exceedingly. Man, my God's a God of increase. Amen? My God is a God that, that, that of advantage. My God is a God that, that, that helps me move forward and strengthens me. He's the El Shaddai. He's the all-sufficient one. This idea of his power, Isaiah 40, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Some of us need that perception of a powerful God, again, to be reminded in our minds that he is all-powerful. He is all-sufficient. His power was sufficient enough for David to slay Goliath, and his power is more than enough for you. Amen? His power held back the Red Sea, and his power is more than enough for you. His power made the sun stand still and victory in the battlefield be accomplished, and his power is more than enough for you. In the New Testament, we saw time and time again that his power was of such that Jesus kept cast out devils, and healed the sick. And his power is more than enough for you. Can you give God praise in this place? Amen. (laughs) God's power is sufficient to take care of your finances, your health, your family, every need. His power. That's his omnipresence. That's his omnipotence, rather. His power but man will that be a personal reality to us it has to be let me just say it again guys it has to be if we're going to be who god's called us to be if we're going to do what god has called us to do that perception it has to be and be the reason why is because there's power that comes when we remind ourselves and embrace the reality of who he is there's so much power there's so much that we gain by holding on to the proper perception of who God is. Going back to the Matthew 16 passage, in closing, and tell you, and I tell you, Jesus said, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. His identity was wrapped up in this revelation. It's not about who we are apart from who he is first. That's why the enemy tries to rob you of who he is. Because if the enemy can rob you of the perception of who God is, you're next. You're next. Does that make sense? The enemy knows if we get a revelation of who God is, we'll rise up on that revelation and we'll act different, walk different, live different, believe different. So the enemy taxed that. But in this moment, Jesus looks at Peter and says, you are Peter. And upon this rock, that Peter, that was, that was again, it was, it's Petros, you are Petros, you are a rock. And here's what I love, Petra is Jesus. When he says, you are Petros, and upon this rock I'll build my church, it's not Peter. He goes, you are Petros, and upon this Petra, I will build my church. In other words, yes, upon this revelation of the anointed one and his anointing, Upon this revelation of who I am, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against me because the rock is in the house. And what I love about this, all right, I'm sorry, my brain went, the rock is in the house. And all I could think of was, can you smell what I'm cooking? I I got wrestling on my, so no, but when it comes down to it, check this, this is the coolest thing. Do you know if you take a rock and you break it down to the smallest bit of rock? this atomic structure of whatever that little bit is is the same as the whole check this he says to him you got a revelation and yes i'm petra i'm the rock and upon this petra upon this petra i'll build my church petros peter you're not simon you're not defeated anymore man you are anointed as well the makeup of that rock is christ in the anointed, it's the anointed one in his anointing And here's what's so beautiful about lively stones. Ah, He'll build his church on that rock. Petros, that's Peter. Do you know scripture calls y'all lively stones? Do you know that? Each of us are lively stones. The word is Petroi. Is that neat? Petroi, little smaller stones. Doesn't matter. You break that stone all the way down, and the elements that are there, I'm just here to tell you y'all anointed you're blessed you're smeared with the things of god don't let the enemy rob you of that that's who you are that's the perception we're to have and when we have that man the gates of hell don't prevail there's power that comes when we have that we get keys of the kingdom of heaven and that doesn't affect just spiritual stuff because we can bind things on earth as they're bound in heaven it affects us today all right so that's power and that's authority I'm not going to be able to preach today on authority too much. But they go hand in hand because one is the application of that energy, if you will. That's power. But the other is the right. So you got keys. I got the right to my house because I have keys, you know. So it's the right. You have both the right and the ability. Why? Because you are the You are those who God has anointed as well. Amen. So proper perception will produce the powerful promises of our precious Lord. Why? Because we will carry with us daily the reality of who he is. He is omniscient. He knows us. He is omnipresent. He is with us. He is omnipotent. He is able. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.